One more word, the music. I really enjoyed this morning. I hope you did as well. Uh, a word about the music at 1045. If you've never seen New York County Honors Choir, they are amazing. So, if you would like to see Synergy, part of that Honors Choir, you're welcome to come back. And I'm telling you this, you don't have to sit through the sermon again. <laughs> There's time after Synergy's done where you'll be able to slip out and, and I won't say anything about you. Now, I would prefer if you do that, that you don't sit way up here and then walk out. Maybe you can slide into a back pew and, and then walk out after Synergy has done their thing. I'm telling you, they are worth it. They are worth it. Let me share with you now from 1 John, just uh, a few verses from his writings. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, who everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Just some of the writing that John did about love. That's one man's idea of phot photographic artist's idea of what John might have looked like. Obviously, we don't know that. But I want to tell you today about a change that came over that man because Jesus is better. John wrote a gospel. He wrote some letters, part of which I just read, and the book of Revelation. It is said that he is the only disciple that died of old age. All of the other disciples were martyred at comparatively young ages, but John lived a rather long life. But most of all, John can be seen as a reminder to us that God has always used imperfect people to do the work he needs done. I want to remind you of some things about John's life. He was called to be a disciple while he was doing his life work. He was out caring for his nets with his brother James and his father Zebedee. And Jesus comes along the shore and sees them working there and calls upon he and James to come and follow him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all tell that story of Jesus calling those first fishermen and telling them he wanted to make them fishers of men. So John and James, they made that decision when Jesus called to leave that which they knew and go and spend those years with Jesus. More than that, 
John became part of what we call the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Twelve disciples, but there were three of them who saw things that the other nine never saw. He was, they, those three were in the room when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter. They experienced that. Those three were on the hillside. A few Sundays ago, we remembered the transfiguration, a, a mountaintop experience, both on the mountaintop, but spiritually mountaintop experience for Jesus and those three, Peter, James, and John. And then the ordeal of the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed as if great drops of blood because the, the weight on his heart was so heavy. Those three, the inner circle, saw some things that the other disciples never saw. But John had his faults. Imperfect people to do his work. That's what God has always used. John seemed to be a man of ambition. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with ambition. It's a good thing. But like any good thing, if it's taken to excess, it can be a bad thing. John had been with Jesus listening for, for almost three years. And Jesus was telling John, as well as the other disciples, what it meant to be a disciple. But John didn't quite get it. In Mark, it tells us that, Mark 10, there we go. James and John, sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask for. That's near the end of Jesus' ministry. They have heard him talking about being a servant. They have heard him talking about putting others first. Jesus now was talking about being delivered into the hands of the chief priests and even being condemned to death. Some pretty heavy stuff. But then James and John come up and say, let us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. We want places of honor. So despite all that Jesus had been teaching them, they didn't quite get it. Ambition was getting in the way of what was really important. Nothing wrong with ambition in life. It's a good thing. But it becomes a bad thing if it gets in the way of what really matters. It also seems that John was a man of a rather violent temper. Sometimes called the son of thunder. That was his nickname. I don't know whether a temper is part of your life or not. Take after my mom. Fortunately, a temper is... I'm not saying I never get mad. Every dog we've ever had, and my wife and I have had a lot of different dogs in our married life together. 
Boy, they could push my buttons when they, you know. Yeah, I could get angry at them. But very seldom have I got angry at other people. Sometimes I get angry in traffic. <laughs> so I guess that's at other people. But, uh, you know, tempers. I had an older brother who had a very violent temper. And uh, it was never anything near what he did. John was a man who struggled with that kind of temper. It's recorded in the ninth chapter of Luke that Jesus and his disciples were on the way to Jerusalem from Galilee. Galilee's in the north. Jerusalem was in the south. And right in the middle, you know the geography of the Holy Land at that time, was Samaria. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. But that was still the best and easiest way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem was to go through Samaria. While on that journey, some messengers were sent ahead to a Samaritan village to get a place ready for Jesus and the disciples to stay. But the people in the town did not welcome them because they knew who they were. They knew that they were on their way to Jerusalem. They were Jews. And the Bible in, in the ninth chapter of Luke just says this, James and John were furious. Lord, this is their question, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Temper. And Jesus rebuked them for what they said. I want to tell you what James says about how we should be about the temper that we may have in the book of James, the first chapter. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I don't know whether a temper, anger, is something that you struggle with. If it is, struggle with it. Everybody doesn't have to, and you may say, it's not fair that I have to struggle with this. Well, life's not always fair. John was a man with a rather violent temper. Also, we know that sometimes John was not very tolerant of other people. <clears throat> The ninth chapter of Mark has John saying to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because it was not one of us. I like one of the other translations. I think it's the Good News Bible says, We told him to stop because he was not part of our group. Dangerous words, not part of our group. Denominations and different Christian groups are sometimes guilty of that very thing. The United Methodist Church is the best church there is. There, well, I've, despite our struggles of late, I still love the United Methodist Church. 
And I think it has a lot of good to offer, but it's not better than the Baptists or the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or whatever other denomination you want to mention. Not part of our group. Not good words. All these imperfections were part of the kind of man that John was. Imperfect. Just like us. But Jesus is better. And because Jesus is better, this man, once called a son of thunder, became known as the disciple of love. The disciple that Jesus loved. And John spent a lot of time living that love out. He wrote about it. He wrote about it in his letters. I want to share just a few excerpts from the first the book of 1 John, some from the third chapter. This is the message we have from the beginning. We should love one another. John wrote it. The 16th verse of the third chapter. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's not necessarily meaning to actually give your physical life. But it should mean to to put others before you. To put the needs and rights of others before your own. You remember that old acronym of what joy is. Jesus, others, yourself. Well, to lay down your lives for your brothers. The 18th verse of that third chapter, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And in the fourth chapter of 1 John, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And finally, that same, bo- or that same chapter, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. Pretty strong words. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also Love his brother. The son of thunder, who because Jesus is better, became the disciple of love and wrote such powerful and expectant words of how we are to love one another. To show his actions reflected. Let me just read a brief story that's written by one of the early church historians about John. On one occasion, John was visiting one of his churches near Ephesus. While preaching, he was impressed by a young man in the congregation of fine bearing and handsome appearance. At the end of the service, John turned to the elder in charge of the congregation and said, I commit that young man into your charge and into your care. And I call this congregation to witness that I do so. 
the elder of that church took the young man into his own house and cared for him and instructed him. And the day came when the young man was baptized and received into the church. But soon afterward, he fell in with vicious and evil friends and embarked on such a career of crime that he ended up becoming a leader of a band of thieves. Sometime later, John returned to that congregation and asked about the young man. Alas, said the elder, he fell from grace. He was forced to flee from the city for his crimes and now is a pirate in the mountains. Straightway, John went to the mountains. Deliberately, he allowed himself to be captured by the robber band. They brought him before the young man who was now chief of the band. And in his shame, the young man tried to run away from John. John, though an old man, pursued him. My son, he cried, are you running away from your father? I am feeble, far advanced in age. Have pity on me, my son. Fear not, there is yet hope for salvation for you. I will stand before you in the Lord Jesus Christ. If need be, I will gladly die for you as he died for me. Stop, stay, believe. It is Christ who has sent me to you. The appeal broke the heart of the young man. He stopped, threw away his weapons and wept. Together, he and John went down from the mountains and the young man was brought back into the church and into the Christian way. A writing of one of the early church historians about the fact that John did not just write about loving one another, he lived it. Jerome, another early church historian, writes that John's dying words were simply love one another. The followers who were gathered with, with him asked if he didn't have something else to say, maybe something more profound. But he said, if this is learned, it is enough, for it is the Lord's command. The Lord Jesus Christ, because he is better, worked a marvelous change in the life of John. From the calling of John and James from that fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee to the times that he worked with them as they showed their imperfections until the time he became the disciple that Jesus loved. It is the kind of change that we can all have. Jesus does change lives then and now because Jesus is better. You bow with me a moment. Father God, help us to realize that this day, that you are better for us. You work marvelous changes in the life of John, and we are glad for that. But you can work marvelous changes in us as well. We pray that we would be open to you doing just that during this season of Lent. In the name of Christ. Amen.